tonight. We're going to be continuing in Pastor Will's uh, theme, The Children of Light. And two weeks ago, we learned about the children of light, that they are dressed, alert, and ready to go. Last week, we learned about that we shine brighter together, that each one of us make up a separate light, but together we all shine brighter together. And this week, we're going to continue the series with honoring our shepherds, honoring our shepherds. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this fellowship. Lord, we came here tonight to worship you. We came here tonight to hear a message. And Lord, we came here tonight to pray together as a body. Father, we pray that you will bless this evening. We pray that you will bless this message. And Lord, please be here with us. Please touch our hearts. Please grow us. We thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. Thank you for the opportunity to share it in Jesus' name. Amen. I get 40 words. Pastor assigned me 40 words, two verses. But uh, our text is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. If you'd like to turn there with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, 40 words. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. That's our text. So I looked up some quick definitions here and beseech. Beseech is to ask, but it's to ask very humbly, kind of an urging asking. Admonish, I always thought the word admonish was a rebuke, as if somebody was in trouble, I would admonish them, but it's actually not. Admonish means to teach, to instruct, to warn, to reprove. This is not to lord over or boss somebody around, but rather, importantly, it's to show them the right way to do something, to show them the right way to do something, admonish. And then finally, esteem. Esteem means to honor very highly. So I'm going to reread our text, and I'm going to put these definitions in there just so we can get a better feel about it. And we humbly urge you, brethren, to know them that labor among you and are over you in the Lord, the ones who teach, instruct, warn, and reprove you, honor them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now, when I read this, I was struck by how basic a message it is. In fact, not just this, this set of verses, but all of, all of 1 Thessalonians. Paul, in the first two chapters, he starts out just pouring love out onto them and talking so sweetly and kindly to them. And he talks about as a nurse cherishes the, her children and about the father, how he loves his kids. And we can all identify with that. And then we come here, and he's telling these people here in Thessalonians right here, he's telling them to know the people that are over you and to uh, first how to identify who they are and then to uh, give them respect. And I thought, wow, that's kind of a basic message. Why would, why would Paul have to give such a basic message? It struck me. So I did a little bit of research on that, and um, I, I wanted to find out one of the reasons that Paul's message is so basic is that this was a very new church. That was the first thing I found out. It's a very new church. It was a church built from scratch. It did not exist before Paul got there, and I'll give you a little bit more details, but he, when he went there, he was only there for three 
short weeks. And three weeks, that could be a long time, it could be a short time. But I compared it just for fun. I compared what, what was it like when he went to the church before this? The one that he was at before this, he went to Philippi. And we remember at Philippi, they beat him up, not the church people. It wasn't his preaching. It was uh, the, the people beat him up, the Jews beat him up and chased him out. And he was there for, um, the scholars say, three months. So he was there for three months. And then after Thessalonians, he's here for three weeks, and the Bible tells us he was here for three weeks. He ends up going down and ultimately to Corinth, and he stayed at Corinth for a year and a half. So when we look at that, he's there for a year and a half. He's at Philippi for three months, and here he's only with these people for three weeks. That's not enough time to get to tell them how to do church. They didn't even know how to do church. They didn't understand how a church was supposed to function, these Thessalonians. And so we can all learn, though, from Paul's careful, carefulness with these brand new Christians. When we have new Christians around us, sometimes we take for granted that people understand and they know. But clearly, Paul is showing that these people didn't know. And so he's being so careful with them. And just for myself, I looked back at Galatians. Galatians was supposed to be, is the scholars say it's the first book that he wrote. And if you look at almost, a, he scathingly talks to these people, oh, foolish Galatians. You know, and he goes on, but yet here he's talking to these people so gently, so carefully, and so much love. And so that's why it's because it's a brand new church. So the message is going to be kind of basic because that's my verses. Those are my 40 words. So I am going to do the best I can with this, and, and I hope it blesses your heart. It did mine when I went through it, and I just re-looked at it. It blessed me, so I hope it blesses you too. So I joined the Army right out of high school, and I went to basic training, and when I got there, I had no idea of how the military functioned. Most of the guys in my class had no idea how the military functioned. I didn't know about rank. I didn't know an officer. I didn't know an NCO. I didn't know who had authority. Everybody's yelling. You've seen the videos. Everybody's yelling. And you don't even know who to listen to. Everybody's screaming and yelling. And what makes it worse is everybody looks the same. They have short hair, and they're dressed in green. So there I was. But our drill instructor, our drill instructor had to teach us everything. He taught us how to dress, how to fold our clothing, how to make our beds, how to march, and he even taught us how to stand. Now, I know that's hard to believe, right? To stand in the military, but there are three different ways you stand in the military. You stand at attention, you stand at parade rest, and you stand at ease. But they taught us all of that stuff. And they even told us when we could and couldn't use a bathroom. And so, I mean, really, it was basic. It was basic training. Paul's message here to the Thessalonians is almost the same kind of thing where he's telling them how to do church. He's telling them what it looks like because they were brand new. And so I'm going to kind of use the, the military as a reference. And we can see here right off in, in these verses that when Paul's talking about the church leaders, he doesn't even give them a title or rank. He says, know them who labor among you, just to know them. So Paul here is gently giving basic instructions to these young Christians. God, our Father, gives leaders to the church. In Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the, working, uh, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. 
Now, in this message, because I can't list all the titles every time we go through this, I'm going to call the offices shepherds. I'm just going to use that word. And in case anybody would be offended, I did talk to Pastor Will, and I got permission to make sure it's okay to call everybody just basically shepherding. So that's what I'm going to refer to it as, as shepherding. So back to our text. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and to be at peace among yourselves. We can quickly see three qualifications for these shepherds. Three, it's to labor among us, they're over us in the Lord, and they admonish us. As I was preparing this message and I was studying, and I'm looking out at what the scholars are saying about these verses, I was interested to see that Paul is telling the sheep how to identify their shepherd. But the scholars actually use these qualifications to tell the shepherds how to take care of the sheep. So they say, if you're going to be a pastor, here's what you need to do. You need to be among them. You need to be over them. And, the, and so they're using, but that was just interesting. And it, and it makes sense. So let's go through these three qualifications briefly. They are to labor among us. A good shepherd must be near and with his sheep. He can't truly know them if he's never met them. Now, I'm talking about a true shepherd and true sheep. Sheep will not follow somebody if they don't know their voice. They won't follow a stranger. They get scared, and we get scared, but the sheep get scared. They won't follow. Recently, I was teaching a Bible study on John 10:27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I was looking for an illustration, and I found this great video of these high school kids, I believe it's in the UK, but these high school kids had gone to a sheep farm and they had talked with the shepherd and the illustration was that sheep follow the shepherd. So they picked three kids who were willing and the shepherd told them, here's how I call my sheep. Here's how I call them. So one by one, the three kids go up and the three kids are trying to call out to these sheep. And it was something like this, here, sheepy, sheepy, sheepy. And they all tried it and the sheep ignored them. And the camera's looking over the top of the kids and you see the, the sheep field. And so the three kids try it and they're embarrassed and they, they quit. But the shepherd walked up and the sheep are out there grazing and just being sheep. They're not worried about anything. They're ignoring everything. And they're out there in the minute, the second that that shepherd called out to those sheep, here, sheepy, 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 they jumped up. You should look for that video because if you ever need one, it's absolutely amazing to see how fast they responded. They jumped up and they didn't just start walking to him like cows do. I've seen a lot of cows when I was in Germany. Uh, but these sheep jumped up and they began to charge and run towards their shepherd. And it made me think, just imagine how we will run to Jesus and be so excited to see him when he calls our name and we walk through those gates and we know we're there and that's our shepherd. How is that going to be? But it's an awesome video if you get a chance to look it up. It's a shepherd calling a sheep and those kids. So the, uh, that was item A, they labor among us. Item B, they're over us in the Lord. They're over us in the Lord. Not abusive or bossy. Their authority over us is to be spiritual. This is the shepherds now. And it, it's supposed to be in the Lord. The authority is the word of God. Sometimes they might be teachers in our Sunday school class. And sometimes it might be the elderly person sitting next to you in church, much older than all of you. But an elderly person who's sitting there next to you, 
and they're giving you advice. They're trying to help you out. And we need to listen to those people and uh, they're over us. And then the last thing is that they admonish us. Item C, they admonish us. They teach us, they instruct us, they warn us and reprove us. In basic training, we got used to hearing our drill, drill sergeant yelling at us, sometimes at three o'clock in the morning, sometimes all day, but we got used to him yelling. And it's interesting about abuse like that. Eventually you get used to it. And we really realized going through basic training, especially at the obstacle course, that you need these people. They know what they're talking about and they know what they're doing. One particular obstacle that we had was a four-story structure that had no hand rails, no nothing. It had four telephone poles, literal telephone poles, and four platform floors. And you, we had to crawl up that thing. And we were in groups of three people. And your buddies had to hang on to you and lean you out to grab the ledge. And then you began to pull yourself up. And on that obstacle course, and it was over 30 feet high, I can tell you, I was very nervous. I was very worried. And I was thankful that he was there yelling instructions to us because he took care of us. And we had to listen, but we made it. And I, I was glad that crazy. You guys probably know, some of you army people probably know that structure. In Hebrews 13, 17, we read, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls Remember. as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is not profitable for you. And basically we can see we give trouble to our shepherds God's going to come back and take care of that unruly sheep, and he has his way of taking care of those sheep, doesn't he? Amen. The shepherds are accountable for what and how they teach us, but we are accountable for what we do with those lessons and how we treat our shepherds, if we're thankful or not. That's the end of my introduction. I have three very brief points. I, I promise it's very brief. The point number one is to know our shepherds. What does that look like? How do we do it? To know our shepherds. We're to identify them again. They labor among us. They're over us in the Lord, and they admonish us. Here at Arise, we have pastors, we have deacons, and we have teachers. That's our structure. And we have Pastor Will and Assistant Pastor James. We have deacons, Lewis, a very good friend, Larry, Joe Hines, and Mark Corver are deacons. And for we have many teachers. And I'm thankful in this church that we're small enough to get to know everybody. It took, it took me and my wife about a year, and we've only been here for about two years, but it took us about a year to, to get to know people. And it's worth it. This is such a sweet family. So hang on, and I, I hope you'll enjoy it. But that's our structure. And let's take a closer look at the roles that the shepherds play. What are they supposed to do? And even especially here at Arise Baptist Church, I'm big on definitions. And I use Webster's 1828 Dictionary. So here's my definitions. We're going to look at shepherd, pastor, deacon, and teacher. The shepherd is a man employed in tending, feeding, guarding sheep in a pasture. The second part of that definition is that he's a minister of the gospel who superintends a church. Now that's talking about shepherds. So a shepherd is also a minister of the gospel. Technically, the title shepherd even though I'm using it generally here, it's, it actually is closely associated to the pastor. It's one who's really responsible for the whole thing. But um, 
pastor, the definition for pastor is a shepherd. Webster 1828, a pastor is a shepherd. It's a minister of the gospel who has the charge of a church and congregation whose duty is to watch over the people of his charge and instruct them in sacred doctrines of the Christian religion. As lead pastor and head of this church, Pastor Will is responsible to God for this church. He will give an account. Pastors, watch over us by praying, preparing, and studying. And I'm thankful for Pastor Will, the times that I've got to go in and pray with him and to listen to his heart. And one time even he and I were just walking through that parking lot. It was just a brief walk. But he began to tell me about his his vision for where he wants to take this church. And it was beautiful to see how much he cares about this body and this church. And he wants us to grow. He wants to help people. I served in Germany in the Army for three years. And we had, thankfully, we had a German national to cook for us. And it was a, it was a man, a German guy, and he, he loved to cook. And believe it or not, his best dish was liver and onions. And I laughed when I heard that, and I thought, no way. In fact, I don't even think I had eaten liver and onions until I got to that base. And I'm not kidding. This is not an exaggeration. When he makes liver and onions, the spouses and the girlfriends come and have dinner at that place. It's all in the preparation. I never knew that until I saw that man cook. But when you saw his passion, when you saw how much he cared, he would get this crazy menu and he would come over and sit next to you, and you're, you know, you're busy, you're a young guy, and he's sitting next to you. Okay, look, look, look. On Thursday, we're, we need to have hot dogs because on Friday, and, and okay, I don't care, just you know, whatever, do what you want. But he was passionate about what he did, and I'm glad to say that Pastor Will is also passionate. He's passionate about how he um, leads this church, and I'm thankful for that. Deacons, a deacon is a minister or a servant. It's an interesting position. It officially started and was created in Acts chapter 6, and it was, uh, the requirements were that they were to be honest, to be full of the Holy Ghost, and have great boldness in the faith, but the deacons, the deacons were positioned to take care of widows in serving them lunch, and I believe, from what I read, I believe they had lunch regularly, and so these guys would make sure that these widows had their food and all of that stuff was done. But today, the, the deacon, the, the role of deacon is far more than that. It's a shepherd and it's a spiritual overseer, and I'm thankful that our shepherds watch out for us. In fact, Lewis, he's such a, I, I mean, I can't say enough, and I'm not bragging on him because he's here, but it's, it's just such a blessing to have him. Uh, he likes to dress in very bright clothing, and Sachiko and I, Sachiko and I were out shopping, and here's this bright, bright clothing. And my wife's Japanese. She's very reserved, very quiet. And here's this absolutely bright thing. She thought she would never wear it. She said, why are you even pointing at that? I said, Louis. So she got that, and she put it on, and she loves the way it looks on her. So she and Louis, they have their Louis pictures. So thank you, Brother Louis. We appreciate you. <laughs> so that's our deacon. So pastors, deacons, and we have teachers. A teacher is one who teaches or instructs and one who preaches without regular ordination. So it's not an ordained preacher, it's somebody who is preaching without regular ordination. Spiritual teachers are entrusted to study God's word, to faithfully share and to educate, and they are feeding and caring for God's sheep. We are the sheep and they're feeding us. Going back to that cook, 
preparing messages. I know I got to spend, I had the pleasure to spend a lot of time preparing this, but it's like a meal. My wife loves to cook and she'll spend so much time making a plate of this and, and she lays it all out there, a plate of this, a plate of this, and then she puts it all together, which I'm thankful for, but she loves to cook. In some degree, family members, family members are the structure and the way the family is set up is that the older will teach the younger. That's the way families are done. And in a church, it's basically the same thing. The older educate the younger, and then the younger should listen. They should learn, and they should respect, because that's what God wants us to do. So while I was going through this, I thought about how many soldiers actually survived and lived through war because they learned to listen to and obey their instructors. How many times, and those of you who have instructed, think about the lives that you touched and the lives that you changed. I still fold my clothing, army style, in my drawer. I wash my dishes, military. My wife hates the hot water, and I tell her, you gotta have it hot. It's gotta be hot, but all of those who fold KP, hot water, so it was enjoyable. But uh, how many soldiers were Say, were saved because they listened and they obeyed. And then I, I think about our lives, how much time and effort we've wasted, that we've wasted because we didn't listen to those shepherds. And it seems like the time when somebody's really talking to you and you go ahead and do that thing anyway and you think, I should have listened. God puts shepherds in our way. God uses those shepherds. So that's knowing our shepherd. My next point, point number two, is honoring our shepherds, honoring our shepherds. In our text, verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And we know that word esteem means to honor, to honor them very highly in love for their work's sake. First Timothy 5, 17 and 18, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine we're to account them for double honor when they're feeding us and they're studying and they're watching out for us. I have a question. I have a question. This requires an answer. Who knows the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment. It's the one that has a promise. It's one of the commandments that has a promise. Yeah, go, go ahead. Close. Honor thy mother and father. Sorry, Joe got it. Thank you, Joe. It's in Exodus 20:12 also, honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the earth which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So there's this promise that goes with that commandment. So it's to honor our parents, but it has a promise attached to it. So why do you think God stuck that promise on there? Do you think it's because he was serious about honor and obey? We're absolutely supposed to honor and obey. God didn't tell us to honor our parents only when they deserved it. Hebrews 11, excuse me, 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves and submit yourselves. Obey them. It's not always easy to do that, especially at work with uh, crazy bosses and, and it's not always easy. But when a shepherd gives you advice, when a shepherd gives us advice, no matter who they are, and sometimes they're younger than us, but when a shepherd gives us advice or a warning, think twice about it because God could be using them and most likely is using them to help us. God works through shepherds. It's his plan. It's his way of doing things. We need to be careful about those shepherds and be thankful for them 
and show them our appreciation. And so, how can we honor them in a practical way? What can we do for our shepherds, practically speaking? So here's several ideas. We can pray for them and their families. They need prayer. They have problems just like we do. They're here early opening the church, getting things set up. And we come in with our troubles and our problems. And we're, I kind of walk in with a buffer around me. But they're struggling too, and we need to take care of them. We need to pray for them. So that's the first way. The second way is to talk to them or call them. Let them know you appreciate their efforts, even a small little bit. When I tell my wife how good her food tastes, she really appreciates it. And let me tell you, that German cook, he demanded to know, did you like it or not? And if you didn't like it, what didn't you like about it? And, but he was serious. He had a passion. And people need to have feedback. They need to know that they're doing a good job so we can show them. You can send a text. You can send them an email. You can drop off a letter or even a card. Small gifts also, cookies, maybe chocolates, or even a gift card. Let, let the shepherds know how much you appreciate them. So we looked at knowing our shepherd. We looked at honoring our shepherd. The next point three is to be at peace, and that's the end of our text, to be at peace among yourselves. The lost world is scared. They're scared right now. We have people at Toshiba walking around with masks on still. People are scared. They're hurting. They're desperate for peace. And they're seeking peace wherever they can find it, but not with God. They're scared. I was scared. I was a scared 18-year-old when I joined the Army. When I got in there, I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to be my own man. And there they were telling me when I couldn't and couldn't go to the bathroom. That was, you know, not quite what I had in mind. But I went to school, and I ended up, <clears throat> excuse me, in Fort Gordon at Signal School. And while there, I realized that I, re I realized my rebellion, and I realized that I had pulled myself away from my family, and I was broken. And I remember I had not grown up in church, no church background, none. And so I was broken, and in my brokenness, I called out to God. I didn't know how to pray. I was like the Thessalonians. I just called out to God, and I said, God, help me. And I believe it was a Saturday night. It might have been a Sunday night, but a peace came over me that I cannot explain to you. The windows didn't move. There was no sounds, nothing like that. But a peace came over my heart. And, and I was able to get up, and that brokenness left me. But the very next day at school on Monday, this uh, class religious guy, always reading his pocket Bible, um, he walked up to me and he said, would you like to, we're having an evangelist uh, all week long, would you like to come to church? And I had that answer ready. You know, it's inside of us. No, thank you. You know, no, thank you. But I remembered in a split second, I remembered, wait a second. I prayed and God gave me some peace. And I, I was really broken. I mean, truly, I was broken. And, and I thought, I, I, I owe something here. I need to make this right. So I said, I'm going to go to church with you all go. And I heard the gospel. I heard the truth. And I found true peace, not the peace that you find doing stuff with the world, but true peace. I found out what it was. I have peace today because of Jesus Christ, yeah. and I thank God for my yeah. shepherd, my mentor. His name was Tony Howard, and he helped me through years. He passed away young. He's in Arlington. He got to be buried in Arlington. But um, I thank God for, for Tony. So in closing, about peace in closing, Isaiah 9-6, Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. In 2 Thessalonians 3.16, he is the Lord of peace. Jesus said in Matthew 5.9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children 
of God. So again, know your shepherds, honor your shepherds, and be at peace. So is God tugging at any of our hearts to be better shepherds or maybe to honor, maybe to, Amen. you know, what's God pulling at your heart for? Thank you.